what's happening in the canine industry. For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn, we've got to do a new ad, mate. We do. We're long overdue. We're not going to be sponsoring Einzerwiener anymore. Yeah, well, fuck no longer. He's fucking not paying us. <laughs> no. We've just figured out. No. Just, he's sitting right here in front of us <laughs> and we've just figured out he hasn't actually been paying all no this time. No wonder there's no bread and milk on my table fuck in this house. After we were just nice to him. <laughs> we're just, fuck we're him. just flattering him. We were just whining and dining him, <laughs> looking after him like a big fucking client we'd look after and then we find out he hasn't find been paying the bill. Find out he hasn't been paying us. He's doing it right now, so we <laughs> we may as well tell people if they're in Australia and you need dog gear, don't get it from him. Well, get it from wait, him. Wait until he pays the get bill. Get it from him so that he can pay us. <laughs> What's your stupid website, Jason? E i n z w e c k dot com. There you go. Nice. Get your stuff from there. Okay. All right. On to the real sponsors. Yes, the people who actually pay the bills. Canine Suticals. Yep. The best canine suticals. Premium grade, yep. human quality. Yeah. It's going gangbusters at the moment. Thank you to the community who have been supporting yeah. it. It's great shit. Dan Croft. Yes. In Canada. In Canada. Yes. Toronto, Canada, I believe. Yeah. Yes. What were we pushing for him? He's puppy class. Puppy class. Yeah. Amazing puppy classes in a great facility. Barbara DeGroote. From the heart dog training. Barbara just loves us and we she love Barbara. She just loves us. Barbara is our sugar mama. Yeah. <laughs> that literally is the thing's called, right? Yeah. The tear that she called. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the sugar mama tear. Thank you, Barbara. We Thank appreciate you. Thank you, Barbara. You. We love you. Horny George Kittredge. Yes. Rowdy Hound Dog Boxes. Yeah. yeah. The box is incredible. I saw it for the – did we talk about this? Have we done an we ad have. since? We yeah. have talked about how amazing the boxes is. You and I travelled from – where did you pick us up? What, what airport that was, was that? Uh, in Colorado. Colorado. He showed us the prototype. Yeah. We was talking through it. You and I were sort of thinking this is never going to take off. Yeah. And finally – he it's does it. He pulls it off. Not only does he pull it off, it's fucking brilliant. Like it's safe. And he also does classes where he teaches people how to use them as well. Like teaches the dogs how to get up on the bike seat and then load into the box itself. And it's bloody brilliant. It's incredible. Really proud of George. Lovely guy. And I'm really happy that this is paying out for him. All right. Daniel Trapino? It's actually Tropiano. He corrected me. Okay. So anyway, Daniel Trapino. <laughs> Dog Club South Club, Australia. Australia. Yeah. It's a cool little facility he's got there. It's a there. great facility. Get yes. in, check it out. He does all the, all the training. Yeah, he's decked it out. He's got it all looking schmick. It's a bit street. It's a bit edge. It's a bit kitschy. You yeah, know? he's got some cool artwork. Yeah, it looks there. good. Check yeah. it out for yeah, sure. It's great. It's about time South Australia started lifting its game. Good on you, Daniel. Yeah, leading the charge down there. Well done. We've got a new one. Who we got? Tailored Canines. We have two. They contacted us on Instagram, yep. stumbled into our advertising <laughs> tier, and away <laughs> we go. Yep. So they're in Canada. They are. They're in Ontario. Gold, Nipopo gold people, yeah, gold multiplicators. I think, I think they're a gold multiplicator. Yep. yep. So if you're recently certified as a silver school and you're mm-hmm. looking for somewhere to do your gold yep. and you're around the Canada or just anywhere up that northern part of the Americas, check it out. Tailor so they canines. do puppy, adult group classes, private and board and train programs. There you go. Tailor so thank you for jumping on and advertising with us. Hey, everyone. 
If you would like to be an advertiser, <laughs> don't do it. Reach out to us. Shut up, you bullfed. So I know that on Patreon, and we appreciate people just putting money in there. That's wonderful. Yes. But we do have to limit how many people we have. And so get in contact with us. Make sure that we actually can serve you and that we actually, you know, can provide you value as an advertiser. And that you align with our ethos as well. Of course. That's very important. That would be appreciated. To recap. Our sponsors are, and the people we love because they give us a lot of money. Yes. Well, it's not a lot of money, but some money. Yeah. Einzewick, he promises he's going to do it. He's look, I'm looking at him now. I'm looking at the reflection of him fixing Has it. Has that gone through yet? No, because still trying. Has got shit <laughs> Dan Croft, public classes, yep. cool facility. Barber de Groot. Amazing sugar mama, love her, from the heart dog training. George Kittridge. Rowdy Hound Dog Boxes. Daniel Tropiano, Tropino. Tro- dog clubs. Troppy <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> dog clubs. <laughs> Australia. Yeah. And new to the family, tailored canines. Yeah. All the way from Ontario, Canada. So we've got two Canadians. That'll do advertising. Yeah. Mo- do. Mostly from the United States. One from Oz. Well done. Well played. Thank you, sirs and madam. Check them out. They support us. You yeah. should support them. Yep. Here's a show. There's a show now. Here's a show. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. Welcome back, sir. How are you? I'm well, but we've got some serious things to talk about in this episode. This is a serious episode. We've had two funny ones, sort of. Well, they got deep and they got weird and they went all over the place. However, there are things that seem to be manifesting in our space. Mm. We've been talking about off-air. It's a concern for us and I believe it's going to be a concern for the dog training dog education, pet space, ad name here, whatever it is, there's something brewing in the air. Mm. What are your thoughts? Well, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'll lead with some of my concerns already. Okay. We've already seen this ban taking place in the UK with XL bullies. Yep. Do you have the background on that? Do you know why they were banned? Like what triggered it? What was the, what's the reason? Actually, no, I'll be quite frank and be honest. I don't know other than that I've seen social media waves about it, but it's been triggering me to want to read it. And more so lately because suddenly the same stigma is starting to develop in Australia with Rottweilers. Mm -hmm. Over the last week, I've been contacted by media. I've actually written articles for media about all the recent spate of Rottweiler attacks. I believe that there was recently a person that was actually killed by Rottweilers in Adelaide, and there was a lady in Perth that was mauled by a Rottweiler quite badly. Dogs bite people on a regular basis. I almost can guarantee on a daily basis there'll be somebody in Australia that's in hospital for a dog bite whether it be a small dog or a large dog, it's just going to happen. As the old adage says, cats scratch, dogs bite, horses kick. The hysteria suddenly has propped up again. Now, I'm not sure if, if it's just complete coinkydinks that this has happened. It's now happened in the UK and there's some serious action that's been taken against it. And now suddenly in Australia, we see ourselves very focused on a particular breed once again. Yeah, so my understanding of the XL bully thing in the UK – What I understand about the dog culture in the UK, and I'm happy to be schooled on this. I'm not Mm. saying that this is for sure the case, but my understanding from speaking to people there and who have been there is that the working dog scene in the UK is very active because there isn't really guns there. Even the cops aren't carrying guns. Mm. And so security guards at premises and that sort of thing are very heavily involved with dogs. They're, They're like dog security guards, much like here, like when you used to do it in Melbourne back then, like that culture is still very much the same Mm. in in the UK. 
And then, of course, like the thugs and whatever also have a lot of dogs. So there is a lot of dogs that bite. Yep. And there, even though there is a lot of, you know, herders like pointy-eared Malinois Shepherd, that kind of stuff, there's also a lot of use of blockhead-style dogs for man work. That's my understanding of the dog culture in the UK. Well, I've seen – quite a lot of material coming through Gail Lucy. Mm-hmm. She's been posting a lot of it. And I guess that's where I've been seeing the media and it's been attracting me to lead on to what is going on there and why is this happening. But I'm only sort of just starting to delve into it because I wasn't really aware that it was such a problem. I heard that there were some issues with XL bullies, but I didn't realise it was going to that full extent. Mm-hmm. I guess this is the concern for public anywhere or the the public that are involved in any sort of dog ownership or activities is how quickly these things can manifest and take form. And suddenly before you know it, you're faced with governments that basically are intervening in something without really much consultation. We haven't seen that consultation around and not from people who are the experts. That's the issue. They always seem to cherry pick people that are very agreeable with them. Mm -hmm. If they want to do something, they find a group of people like they'll find some dizzy person who doesn't really have a lot of facts who will get on, make a complete ass of themselves in favor of our direction. But then they'll get some very well-spoken and very articulated people to vote with the direction that they're actually going. And that's the concern that I have around those sort of applications in looking at banning breeds and looking at stopping sort of training or looking at removing tools. It's always that application. I've got some genuine concerns about it because I've seen this happen before. Mm. You've seen it happen before in your experience with the prong collar in Queensland. Yeah. That seems like one small thing, but that's not one small thing. That's one of the cuts of death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. That's the issue that we seem to have. You made a point before where you talked about the thuggery type of people involved in some of these actions with dogs. Dangerous and reckless people will always do dangerous and reckless things, Mm. no matter what. If we take XL bullies off the scene, the dangerous and reckless people will find another breed, which they can be dangerous and reckless with. And then when they take that breed away, they'll find another breed. They'll be moving into your breed in no time at all. Like if you're thinking to yourself, oh, this is great. I didn't really want XL bullies around. I think they're totally irresponsible and it's just a dangerous breed. They're too powerful and people shouldn't have them. Guess again, they're coming for your breed. There'll be a breed that you like and that you are an advocate for and the dangerous and reckless people will be on your breed in no time. This is how it works. It always works like this. What they do is they find something, again, to circle back to the phrase of being dangerous and reckless. Yeah. And you can't stop them. This is where these laws are faulty is they're not stopping dangerous and reckless people. They're going after the breed instead of saying, you know what? dangerous and reckless people, your time is coming to an end. Mm. We're going to heavily fine you and we're going to heavily prosecute you when you are at large and you are being an ass in society. They do some of that, but it's very minimalistic as opposed to that old, it's a very, very archaic way of doing things where the teacher says, if you won't dob in the person who is doing the bad behavior, I'm keeping you all in after school. Everybody gets punished. Nobody gets any reprieve from that. Everybody Mm. gets punished. So if you dob on the person, you get punished because it's usually the school bully who will get you afterwards. If you don't dob on them, you'll get flogged by your parents for getting detentions. Mm. It's a lose-lose situation. Nobody really advocates 
for the genuine article and the real truth, especially in government. That's not what they do. They just think, let's just clean up a problem. Our constituent is banging on about dangerous dogs. We need to move in there quickly and we need to be seen to be doing something. Great. That's fine. I'm all for that. But how about instead of lazy politics, how about we do some active politics where we really do it would be genuinely welcomed in all communities if these people generally moved in and said, I want a fair and balanced argument. I want to bring to the table and I want to have a forum of panellists. We've said this before. I know this sounds very repetitive on other things where we've got upset and pissed off about it, but I'm generally concerned. I can see things slipping away. We have to take action here because there is a lot to lose. And you and I were talking about that off air before. So you might want to lead into some of your concerns. My concern with the whole thing is with everything in dogs that we know will be to the detriment of the industry and mm. to dogs, you know, full stop, right? To the dogs that we serve and dogs just in the community, dogs at large, there hasn't been much law anywhere that I've seen that has been good for that. Like maybe some of the puppy farming stuff that I've seen come in, but even that, you know, really restricts breeding of ethical breeding as well. That's right. It's that old schoolyard adage. Yeah. Mm. And so the problem is that our industry is very complex it's a very detailed web mm. and things are interconnected in ways that I don't think a lot of people realize. My concern with the whole thing is that the downstream effects are not necessarily thought through and where and why people are allying with others is not necessarily obvious either. Mm. Because take, for example, the XL bullies. Yep. They're a big, strong, powerful dog. The bully that I train is one of those. He's 50-something kilos. He's an enormous, powerful dog. And he is a lot of dog too. And he has big feelings about things. And so the problem is, if you were not going to use any tools, if you were going to try and stay in a totally force-free method with that dog, you would have a fucking hard time. Mm. He's one of the dogs that I don't think could be walked safely if you were to try and say like, no, no, I'm a totally force-free trainer. Like, I don't think that that would be possible with a dog like that because he's so powerful and has his own hobbies and interests, right? Now he's a totally safe dog. We walk him around everywhere, but a lot of training went into that. A ton of fucking training went into that. So I have a question for you based on that. If you're the type of person who advocates for a certain training style and you've got a dog like that and other breeds in the community like that, that are non-responsive to your training techniques and your ideology, how do you then feel about those type of breeds who are showing you up as a trainer when you can't exactly advocate for your training methodologies to solve that problem? Exactly. So this is why we have people in, in the industry. And look, I don't want to turn this into a, an us and them thing, but, you know, inevitably will, is that there are people who go, oh, well, fuck you. I don't want those dogs to be around anyway. I think we're better off without them. Mm. And we go, yeah, okay, because that does suit you. And as a trainer, there are certain breeds that I don't like to train because they're hard to train and I, I don't enjoy I, the I process agree. of it. I agree, but I still want to fight for the right of those totally. people to have them. 100%. Yeah. But I can totally see how a, a person would say, well, I'm glad that Kuiper dog's being banned because I don't want to have to deal with them mm. and now this guarantees that I don't, right? Yep. And so, like, that is for sure happening. There are people who feel that way. Mm. But – the problem is exactly like what's happened with prong collars is mm. now we see up there, someone posted it in our group the other day, like slip leads are next. They don't even want slip leads to be allowed. Collar, flat collars, collars in flat general. collars, mate. I mean, this is the thing is they don't see the slippery slide that yeah. we're all on. And every time that 
this comes up, we're accused of being tinfoil hat wearing idiots mm. and people in our own Facebook group attack us. Or not attack us, they're pretty good about it, but they basically they challenge infer, us on it. Yeah, yeah, that we're wrong and that we're just dinosaurs we're being stuck extremists. in our ways. We're thinking intense thoughts and big feelings. Yeah. and Maybe. I hope to be wrong. I truly hope to be wrong about these sorts of things. See, this is where I can lay down some expertise in. And I know I bore people to death with telling people how long I've been in the industry, but I see trends. When you're in a place long enough, you see trends. If you're observant and your eyes are wide open and going into things, you see how things start to fall into shape. Like a lot of people are in this industry, they've had a little stint in it. Some people come in and they pop straight out. Some people, uh, they're relatively new. They've been doing their last two to three years in training dogs and already they've got big voices and big feelings about what they think is going on in the industry. But they haven't seen all this before. Like all of this is like, oh, this is just happening. No, no, it's not new. It's happened before. It's happened in other things where governments have radically changed things, but you just don't know about them because you haven't stepped in at that stage. You haven't seen the loss or experienced the loss before. I keep telling people and my parents told me and my grandparents told them and so forth When I was a kid, I was allowed to go to the milk bar and buy fireworks from the milk bar Mm. and then go and blow them up in the street. Now, I never blew my eyes off or my fingers off and so forth, but apparently somebody did. Yeah, enough other people did. I don't want to see it that we're living in a world that's so sterilised and yet we've done it to ourselves. We've literally walked the authorities hand in hand to say, you know what, I give up on all my rights. You just literally take over my life for me and tell me what to eat, tell me what to think, tell me where I should live and tell me what I should do with my life. Mm. I don't want that for any of us. I basically want us to still have the freedom to choose, the freedom to have an active lifestyle, the freedom to have the dogs that we want to have, but also the responsibilities that go along with them. You are an advocate for it. I am an advocate for it. The colleagues that I spend most of my time with, They're also advocates for it. I don't hang around with knuckleheads and apes in the industry. Like I actively avoid them. I do everything to keep them out of my life or educate them if I possibly can. If they are willing to give me 15 minutes to sit down, I'm willing to point them in the right direction to introduce them to people. They will benefit from them who their life will start to take great new directions and all these new possibilities will be brought before them rather than just have them continuing to make the same perilous mistakes that you and I will inevitably pay for. Yeah. I think as well, like it's quite scary. We lost prong collars in Queensland Mm. on the basis of no evidence that there's dogs that are injured or suffer at the use of prong collars. And not even any convictions through our our animal welfare agency. That's exactly right. So Mm. someone listening might say, well, you know, dogs suffer that they wear them because of the techniques that you use and whatever. That's your opinion. But as far as the law understands, nobody has been charged with animal cruelty for doing something with a prong collar in Queensland that we could find any evidence of. Yep. And so now the act of just using one will bring you that charge. So very quickly, they'll have a ton of evidence that they'll say, look at these people who were using prong collars. That is cruel. Yeah, because just it because has been it's deemed just been inherently used. cruel. Mm. But same deal as we spoke about when all that was happening 12 months ago is that the police and the military use them. The government's own departments are using these tools or were. And, and now- successfully. That's right. And yeah. it's not like they're an inherently dangerous or av- the thing of the prong collar is it's not even an inherently aversive tool. It's not like w- when you put it on, the dog is having an aversive experience. It's not, not until you use it in a particular way that the dog can, can provide an aversive. Mm. As we talked about, as opposed to a, a halty that's with most dogs aversive from the fucking second you put it on. Mm. 
we saw that. We're seeing breed bands around the world now with the XL bullies. And at the moment, we know here in New South Wales, in our state where we live, that the Animal Justice Party is wanting to ban bite sports. And I think one of the things that's most important for us as people who actually understand dogs is to band together and stay together. That's one of the most important things because what I'm most concerned about with the inevitable fight we're going to have to have about bite sports here in New South Wales will be that there'll be a separation. IGP people will want to throw suit sports under the bus and there'll be a lot of dogs in New South Wales who don't want any of those bite sports to exist anyway because they don't want to recognize the titles on the pedigrees. They will be happy to get rid of it. And it's like, what I don't think anybody realizes is that we're building momentum on the banning and the taking away and the influence of people who don't actually understand our industry. That's my biggest concern in all of this is because there are so many downstream effects mm. of like, you know, we're a very fragile ecosystem and we're holding ourselves together not too badly. We're doing the best that we can in the world that we're in. and Because we've kept the government out of it. Yeah. Mm. When you remove people's ability to use training techniques, when you remove particular breeds, when you remove games that you can play with your dog, that has significant downstream effects. And the problem is when those things are done erroneously anyway, like there is no evidence that people were abusing dogs with prong collars. Mm. The concern that Animal Justice Party have here in New South Wales is that people are making do- are forcing dogs to bite people and making them dangerous. And then those dogs are out either being labeled dangerous dogs and living a shitty life because of it, or they're out just being dangerous in the community. No evidence of that. Mm. Anybody that's involved in the bite sports for even 10 minutes, you go to a club, you very quickly realize these people are whack jobs. They're obsessed with their dogs. Like us, me, you, everybody that trains with us, we're fucking obsessed with our dogs. I'm not putting my dog in a dangerous situation. This is one of the things when people say, my dog doesn't go to cafes and shit with me because that's stupid and dangerous to do with that kind of dog. So I don't do it, right? Mm. I go to great lengths to make sure that- They're on lead, they're crated, all of the- Precautions. My dog, who has an incredible amount of control compared to the average random dog, my dog is in a complete other league. Mm. And compared to most dog trainers, you know, I'm happy to say I'm in the upper echelon of capability of dog trainers. Beyond most dog trainers' dogs, my dog is under control. And yet I still make very cautious decisions about where I take my dog because yep. we're experts in dogs, mm. We, but we're not the people who are being consulted on this stuff. There's no, hey, what would be the effects of this? So the idea that they want to ban something on false information that's just made up, that they, they, they just have it in their mind. Of course, the people that support that, like, you know, the actual heads of these organizations, I believe do have a nefarious agenda that they want to see the end of basically pet ownership. And we know that. We Mm. know that to be true, that Peter don't hide that. And all of these organizations that are pushing for these sort of things are just subsets of Peter. Yeah, they're connected into them. Yeah. Do your homework. Don't be apathetic about it. Like connect the dots. Find out where the people who are now in ministerial positions, find out who they used to be associated with. Like do your due diligence. So the problem that we have is that the people who support those organizations support it really well because they think that those are experts in the field mm. and they're just not. Yep. And so that's the problem is good friend of mine years ago, I think I've spoke about this on the podcast, one of my closest friends voted for the Animal Justice Party years ago, right? Mm. And after a state election and they said to me, oh, I, I was like, who did you vote for? Because my area is quite peculiar, right? So like the area in which I live – 
I vote in a weird way. People wouldn't believe the way that I vote. If you understood the politics of the area is because I vote for a party that I don't really like, but I prefer that the party that I do like has zero chance of getting in, in the area that I'm in. Mm. And, but it's a tight race between the other two. And so I vote for one of them to make sure that the worst of the two doesn't get in. Right. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Because Mm. my actual, the party that I actually would like to see in power has zero chance of getting into power in the area that I'm in. Okay. Anyway, I was having that conversation with a friend and he told me, he's like, oh yeah, I feel the same. I just, I just voted for animal justice party. And I was like, that's the worst one. (laughs) And he, he was like, what do you mean? Like surely as a dog trainer, like surely. And I was like, mate, they're the crazy people. Like that's not a viable vote. If they actually had power, We'd be fucked. You'd be a vegan for starters. Yep. They'd ban the sale of meat and it would be Leathers, a, everything. It would be a disaster. Yep. But people don't kind of realize that because first of all, as a protest vote, you know, the truth is I really don't care for any of the political parties. None of them accurately represent me and how I feel and, and the way that I want to live my life. And so most people, a lot of people feel the same way these days. Yeah, I agree. And they just want to protest vote. Just like, fuck these guys. I don't want to vote for anyone. And for people listening internationally, like who don't know, in Australia, when you're registered to vote, you have to vote. It's not mm. like in the US where it's you can choose. Like here we have to or you get fined. So you have to go in there. You can just you can get your name marked off and throw the piece of paper out. You can mm. do that if you want. But a lot of people vote for these minor peculiar parties because it's a protest vote. They're just like, fuck the two main parties. I don't care for either of these. I think it was you the other day. We were having a conversation. It could have been while we were in Brisbane. We were talking about religion and how the Bible used to be written in Latin. And only Mm. scholars and clergy had access to understanding what Latin was. Mm. Therefore, they could manipulate people because people didn't read and Mm. they certainly didn't read Latin. Was that you telling me? Yeah. It gets even deeper than that. First of all, like prior to the Gutenberg press, the actual – like the very first ever printing press. The King William's first Bible, was it? The Yeah, that was the first thing they printed was a Bible. And I've seen one of those. I saw one at Yale. They've got one there. They They paid $30 million for it. Wow. Yeah. You can see it. Bibles were hand transcribed by yep. monks. Yep. And so not only could you not read it, you couldn't get one. Mm. So like even if you because that was so expensive to have an actual Bible, that was unbelievable to have one because the cost of that would be astronomical. So even if you could read Latin, you couldn't get your hands on one. Mm. And so all the information had to come through the clergy. That's what radically changed a lot of things in the world once people once they started printing Bibles and translating them to a common language where people could actually read it and have a direct relationship with God rather than through the clergy. It was even interesting, which I hadn't heard before, how people felt betrayed and actually upset and offset by what the clergy were doing to them because when they could read it and were understanding what they read, they realised, you've been misleading me this entire yeah. time. Yeah, Jesus was just like me. Right. That's, that was one of the, I think that was, to my, as my understanding of the history of it goes, is a mm. lot of people are like, hey, what the fuck? Like this guy was a poor person just like me. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, why am I aspiring Instead to these of a kings? King. Yeah. Yeah, mm. he was just a regular person. Yeah, what who the fuck? walked with the people and yeah. sat with the people and ate with the people. Yeah. My point to all of this is that I find that politics have been designed in such a way where it becomes so convoluted and so outrageously technical that people just lose the intention of actually wanting to follow along with it. And I feel that sometimes this is possibly done by design. This is possibly done so you just really won't want to do it. And they go, don't worry about the fine print. We'll fix all that. Watch the football and watch Netflix and do all these fun things. You know, like go out and do things on the weekend. We'll take care of the politics. You do this. But before you know it, 
these fucking nefarious people, it's genius and it's creativity in its highest form, but really it's designed to fuck you up and trap you. Yeah. So it works for a certain class and type of people. The other type of people, it doesn't work for you at all. Before Mm. you know it, again, you know, to echo into what we've been starting with is you're finding that your rights have been withered away. Yeah. And so I'm going to bump us back into our lane because yes. cont- we could shit on politicians all day. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's becoming scary and I think people need to be a little bit more. Totally. But but so I think that what we, within the dog space, you and I both were just discussing prior to recording that there's something in the air that there's a lot of change coming yeah, and, and it's happening around the world. It's not just like in our little state here. There's a lot of change happening around the place and mm. there's there's a big push. And, and for us as balanced trainers, so me and you especially, heads are on the chopping block, right? Because yep. we're interested in, I like high-powered dogs. I don't want a caboodle. Yeah, they, we like uh, working breeds. Yeah. We like bite sports. We like balanced yeah. training. We like tools. Yeah. Everything that we like is, and, yeah. and people will say, well, then, Pat and Glenn, you have a bias. Yep, That's totally. why you're talking and representing it the way this is because you have a vested interest in this and you have a bias. Totally. We I have, recognize that. We have both played in the other camp as well. Yeah. I totally recognize that bias, but also I'm able to see the subcontext. Here, is the it a bias here. or a choice? Well, it's a bias. Of course, like I'm concerned about where training would go when it's going away from the direction I want it to go into. Yeah. But what I think people- But it's not through lack of consultation or education on our No, that's right. And so that's one of the things, like this is, I stay up to date as much as I can with the the zeitgeist of sort of, you know, the industry and why people feel the way that they do. And one of the things I constantly find myself, you know, reaffirming with myself and sometimes to others is that I'm a balanced trainer, not for lack of knowledge on how to train in other ways. I'm a balanced trainer because of the effectiveness of it Mm. and it sits well with me. And I'm as open and honest as I think I possibly can be, right? Like nobody shares all the thoughts within their head, but I'm pretty much an open book. I tell people what I do. I'm not afraid to be seen training. I train in front of people all the time. I'm happy with the way that I train. I feel good about it and I don't ever put myself in a position to do anything that I'm going to regret later on. So I am morally and ethically totally fine with everything that I do. But I'm open about what I do. I think that a lot of people in the industry, and I like, I don't want to name names, but we've had many of them on the show, are not open about what they do. They infer that they train in a completely different way in which they train. And it's one of the reasons why we haven't had many new guests on is because the amount of research that has to accompany with giving somebody this platform, right? In mm. that, you know, we've had people lie to us, just fucking straight lie to our faces on here. Yep. And we find out later or we have to just sort of grin and bear while it's going down. So like we're not doing that anymore, mm. right? That's why to have people on the show, we have to make sure that they really are who they say they are. This is one of the, the barriers to having guests on. But I digress. The point is if you're part of the industry, which you are if you're listening to the show, and it, you feel like it's going in the direction you want it to go in, it may be headed towards somewhere you want it to go, but it is going to go past there. The brakes are not going to stop, right? Yeah. So that's the thing. So if bite sports and the use of powerful dogs in any application, okay, so whether that's XL bullies to Malinois and everything in between, dogs that have a lot of drive, a lot of commitment, and a lot of capability – as they start getting knocked off and banned and, and made illegal to have or just difficult to have, if the outlets of those dogs start disappearing and the tools of control of those things start disappearing as well, 
that creates a momentum that is going to far overshoot where you think that's heading. It's always something else. It's always something next. On what you just said before, I was watching the progress of a very outspoken force retrainer. And I don't have any personal issues with this person. I know, as we've discussed before, that most of the commentary that's coming from the particular person I'm bringing up comes out of a place of love. They love their dog. They love dogs in general, and they would like to see the well-being of dogs across the world. Some of the things they say is very political grandstanding for force-free training. But interestingly enough, I was watching them then wriggle and squeal about the fact that the breed that they're choosing is now under fire. Mm. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? You've misread the overshoot that you were just talking about before because now it's coming into your backyard. And suddenly I started seeing comments, this isn't fair, this isn't right. This is exactly what we're saying. Mm. It's like that old saying about revenge, that if you seek revenge, take two shovels. Mm. And it's the same sort of thing with the outcomes that we're all going to experience is it's going to affect you as well. Like it is going to come for you, and it has. I've seen so many people affected before. Let's start with the XL bullies. I know we're going to get back on track with what we are talking about before, but let's say XL bullies are eradicated from the world. It's starting to happen. They're going to want it to happen. There is a snowball effect. It's going to bleed into other countries. You bet. You watch in Europe. There's going to be other countries that have said Mm -hmm. it was successful in the UK. We're going to adopt it into wherever. It's going to happen. So let's say the entire world, 10 years from now, they've – spayed and neutered all XL bullies. They've literally bred them out of existence. They die out. There's no more left. That breed is gone from the archives. It'll be Rottweilers for sure. Mm-hmm. It'll be German Shepherds. Mm-hmm. It'll be Belgian Shepherds. They're definitely going to come after the the males. This is accumulative. Like it's a snowball effect. I'm not here trying to scare people or torment you, or but I am trying to wake you up. I am trying to tell you that for many years I've been saying to people, your apathy and your comfort is not going to serve you well in the end. It's going to torment you because you'll watch something over the years that you're being involved in. And some people will simply go, ah, I'm not going to stay in dogs anymore. They'll just step out of it. Where other people who are career people in this or are in it for the long game, they're going to say, what the fuck did I do wrong? Hmm. I haven't done anything wrong. I've advocated for everything right. As you said before, Pat, They go everywhere on lead. They create their dog's responsibility. They buy certain types of vehicles to carry their dogs around. On the weekends, they go and train their dogs. They give their dogs the best food, the best supplements, the best of life. They construct their houses to suitably comfortable for dogs. If the dogs are barking at night, they bring them in and they stop them from interfering with their neighbours. They do everything right. They're great people. But suddenly you've got a politician who's become very eager and thinks, I've just landed this role. I've got a constitution of squeaky wheels that are saying we don't like having these big bad dogs in our neighbourhood. I need to get some headlines. This will be a great way to start. That's literally how it starts. It begins from there and then it turns into a nightmare for you. So suddenly you're under fire for not doing anything at all other than just being a particular owner of a particular breed. Yeah. We probably have to address the dog daddy thing. (laughs) (laughs) We've often said that there are certain types of people – like Zach George, and we've talked about him before, so I might as well mention the name, but we've seen plenty of Zach George material coming up and the two of them are warring with each other backwards and forwards. Yeah, Allegedly, the dog daddy said that Zach George tried to kill his dogs or sent people to kill his dogs, something along the lines of that. Okay, That's an allegation that I saw on social media that Zach George was responding to. So that's between those two. I really tried to stay out of it. I didn't even really want to get into it other than seeing the headlines and seeing other people squeak about it. 
But the problem is now the people that have an agenda against the dogs and against the tools and against the training and against the lifestyle that we're all advocating for are now using someone like the dog daddy as their poster boy. Yeah, he's great at it. He's great at being the worst representation of shitty training. That's the problem. You know, there was a question raised that allegedly we have a relationship with him and that we know him. Nothing could be further than the truth. We know who he is because we've seen all of the dreadful clips that have been portrayed. And to be honest, that's all I've seen. Yeah, like, I, I haven't, haven't really seen, seen I, much because it's it's not something I want to fucking see. So like I don't engage Yeah, I don't want to see dogs being helicoptered around, spun around because that's not what we've subscribed yeah. to. That's not the training methodology that we teach people or that we advocate for in any way, shape or form. So you're right. I don't want to see that. When I see shit like that, I turn it off. You know, because I think, oh, my God, here we go. I'm just waiting for the aftermath. I can already feel the heat building from just looking at that. Yeah. I can see it and I'm sure you can. Anyway, what are your big feels about this? Well, I think that the world has to stay in balance. And Mm. so, of course, Zach George and Dog Daddy are fighting with each other. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're extremists at both ends. So I'll speak for myself. Mm. I don't recognize either of them as being competent dog trainers Mm. in any way, shape or form. I don't recognize Zach George as being a dog trainer. I recognize him as being a social media personality at which he is fucking fantastic. He's done a, he's done a very good job of creating a social media empire. Knowing what I learned about back end of that kind of thing when I was working in that industry last year for a brief period, Zach George has made millions and millions and millions of dollars, right? Yep. Like he would he would be has or you think he has? Has. He yep. has made millions of dollars yep. easily doing what he does. It's a very profitable business for him and perhaps he feels very strongly about what he does. I don't know. I've never met the guy. I've never had a conversation with him and I've digested almost none of his content, right? So like I don't really know a lot, but I can look at the numbers. But and he's I certainly know, motivated now to keep making millions of dollars. Totally. Yeah. And But like all I know of him is that I know how to read the numbers mm. and I know how to sort of translate that into back-end profits yep. and it's a lot. But similarly – The dog daddy, all I know about him, I remember seeing him many years ago. There was a video and I only recently found out it's the same person. There was a video of him walking a bunch of German shepherds around, no leash, and they were all flat as shit. In New York City? Yeah, they were all- Oh, that's him. That's him, him, yeah. Right. Right. Gotcha. And then all I know is that he's wearing the most ridiculous shit and that's kind of all I knew, right? And that he's a shitty compulsive trainer. That's kind of it. Because I don't look at that. Like if you look at my social media feed, right? So like my YouTube, this is one of the things that I think a lot of people don't appreciate, right? Your social media feed looks nothing like mine. They are completely different. Mm. So I'll speak honestly. If you open my YouTube, it is right now tutorials on email systems. Yep. <laughs> and it is podcasts that are mostly about spirituality because mm. I'm and the nature of reality and perception. Cause I'm super interested in that right now. So that's all we're gonna see on there. There's zero dog content. Yep. Every now and again. Larry Crone comes up on my YouTube feed, mm-hmm. but that's it. And because I like watching some of Larry's stuff, I just enjoy Larry just as a human being. Yep. So I just sometimes watch bits of yeah, his Larry's things. Awesome. Just I, like <laughs> instead of texting Larry, seeing how he's going, I watch every now and again, I watch a bit of his videos just to see how it goes. But there's no other dog trainers in my feed. There's zero dog training in my YouTube feed. I just want to cycle back to that really quickly. Do you know what I love most about Larry? He's raw. He's Larry. Unfiltered, yeah. unadulterated honesty that comes out of Larry. Yeah. 
that is such a rare gift from people these days. Like I've messaged him over years and just said, Larry, I love how honest you are to a fault. I absolutely love it. You're one of the best human beings I think I actually know Mm. because Larry is not afraid. Authenticity. He is a gift that many of us are afraid to use. We're worried about the trappings of when we – me too because there's things that I think that I'd love to say but then I think about the consequences if I say it. Larry just says it. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think, holy shit. But then I think, oh, Larry – you have the quality that I, I am too gutless to actually do. Mm. And I'll say that honestly, because there are certain people I'd love to spray, but then I kind of think, oh, it could affect my wife it could affect my business. It could affect me. It could affect this. You know, it could affect the podcast. It could affect a lot of things. Mm. So then I think to myself, well, I just can't say it. I can't afford to. It'll cost me in social credit. And I'm not saying Larry's an ape and he just goes berserk and says outrageous things. He tackles people head on. He's yeah, authentic. Great. That's yeah. it. He's authentic. He is. Oh, and Ivan comes up in my YouTube as well. So yep. they're the only dog trainers that come up on my feed. Yep. That's it, right? On Facebook, it's all dog trainers, but it's people I know, right? Yep. And so it's just their personal lives. That's all I see. I don't really see any of their content about their work or anything, but yeah. it's the, it's their personal lives. And on Instagram, I follow a bunch of clients because I want to be see what they're doing with their dogs. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, like I'm, like I'm, I'm spying on them. Yeah. I'm making sure they're doing their homework. <laughs> you should. We talked about that about having yeah. a dogged coach. You've got to, right? Mm. And, yeah, I and, agree. I, and, I like it. And people whose training I'm inter- I'm impressed by, I follow yep. as well, right? Yep. And so the rest of my Instagram feed is kettlebell people working out with kettlebells. Yep. As a couple of fitness models who are wives of friends of mine that I was in the army with. Yep. Like that's about it, right? So I don't digest any dog daddy stuff. When I look at the reels feed, the dog training I see, I don't really engage with any of the pet dog stuff. The only people that come up in my feed are sport dog trainers. So it's Mm. all people doing PSA or IGP or something cool with their dogs. And so I don't see any dog daddy content. It's not in my space. And the only time I see it is when somebody else shares it. They flood it in your inbox. And that's the Mm. point, right? Is when somebody else shares it, that's when I see it. I don't watch it even when I see it because I can't influence it. I know that his training is shitty and it's not training even. He just is great at shutting dogs down. Like presto, got Mm. it, right? Easy. But I don't engage with that. When people then say like, what's your stance on dog daddy? I don't have one. I don't give a fuck about the guy. I have no ability to influence him in any way, shape or form. And I know that any engagement with him is only feeding the machine. Mm. And while I will never be a purchaser, I will never be a client of his, no money will ever go directly from me within two to three steps get to him, if I start engaging with his content, it will because people who follow me and see the things that I look at will then see that, that I'm looking at that, Mm. right? So like you can go through my Instagram and look at who I look, because you can do that. You can kind of simulate someone else's feed by looking at who they follow and you can sort of get an idea of what they're actually digesting on there. Yep. You can do that to me unless you're into the things I'm into. You're going to be disappointed. Yeah, you'd be pretty bored by mine. It's just guitars, helicopters. <laughs> um. <laughs> so I don't see Dog Daddy. So when people ask what's my stance on Dog Daddy, I fucking don't have one other than that I think he wears stupid outfits and is terrible with dogs. Yep. Like that's it. Mm. But he is now that I've been forced to consume some of it because I'm being bombarded with it yeah. and it's in the space – is that he's the poster, he is the villain that a 
lot of people have been hoping to come for, right? Oh, that would, he, would be hoping he, he to just, exist. He just played that perfect nemesis part. Yeah. Now, and I shared with you some media that's been flying around where serious groups are now starting to congregate together to advocate against balanced training using him as the poster Yeah, child. that's right. And so yeah. that this is the idea is now the idea that he represents me is fucking madness. It's outrageous. Like, like that is not a representation of any trainer that I know or that would I associate interact with. with. Yeah, right. that's, that, that's his not That's that. what we advocate against. And, and all through the ethos of our show, we've been advocating for exactly against that. When you and I have talked about the extremes on the spectrums of – where we consider ourselves as balanced trainers, where a bunch of good people really sit towards that inner bubble, that's right on the edge of what we're talking about, on either edge of whether you're talking about total positive or total carnage and and destruction. That's not what we advocate for and never will. It's my turn to say, have you seen the movie? (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen the Batman Lego movie? Yes. For people who haven't, the premise of it is that Batman, it's a Lego movie, right? So it's a kid's one. The Joker has this outrageous, diabolical plot. Mm. And, of course, Batman foils the plot. And as he catches the Joker, he's disrespectful in the way that the Joker, when he catches him, the Joker's like, ah, you caught me, right? Like, I'm your greatest nemesis. And Batman's like, no, you're not. And the Joker is really offended by it. Long story short, the Joker hands himself in and convinces all of ba- all of the villains from Batman's universe to hand themselves in, and they all just go to jail and leave Batman with no one to be Batman against, and it totally destroys him, right? Like it crushes him and he goes into like a deep depression over it yep. because there's no one to try and stop. And this is the thing. This is what Dog Daddy and Zach George are doing to each other. Mm. They are a response to each other. Yeah. They only exist to bicker back and forth with each other. And, like, I don't think this of them, but it's like Kardashian shit. They're probably – like, I don't think Dog Daddy and Zach George are doing this, but I think that in other spaces people are having public arguments and texting each other in the background about, like, okay, now you say this. Okay, now you say this, right? Because it feeds the machine. Based on the education I've had on social media, because I've never really been as intuitive on it until I, you know, you did a lot of the groundwork and started educating me and others on here. I think that sometimes when they look at this content, they must think, oh, this is the greatest day that I've woken up to. I can respond to this and I can throw all this advocacy against or in favor of what I'm doing and completely against my opponent here. Mm this is going to bring like a new wave of people to me that I hadn't reached before. Like my bubble just expanded by 15% literally by what that guy went and did. Yeah. This is the issue I think is that we resolved a while ago not to speak about anybody negatively on the show and name them, right? Mm. So we we resolved that we would only talk about the people that we like, but unfortunately we're in a position where this kind of conversation kind of has to happen, right? This is not something that I, I'm proud to be a part of, but I think it's necessary mm. is that both of them are polarizing characters at both extremes, right? Zach George is nonsense, but through force free techniques, dog daddy is terrible, just crushing dogs at the other extreme. But the problem is they are drawing people from the center towards them because they're polarizing, right? Mm-hmm. So like you're either with them or against them. 
I'm totally against Zach George. I think that he does a lot of damage to the industry. Now, what I'll say is that the stuff that he used to make many years ago, right, like Frisbee tricks and stuff with the dog, probably helped a lot of people, yeah. right? Like probably a lot of people got on YouTube, looked up training dog tricks and learned how to train a bunch of cool tricks from Zach George. But those days have passed. And right? you don't make millions of dollars out of that anymore. That's right. Like mm. controversy is what sells. Yeah. And Dog Daddy at the other end, crushing dogs, is unfortunately, as much as people fucking hate to admit this, and I hate to say it out loud, is that a lot of the dogs that he just crushes then get to carry on living. They go through a horrific hour with him and they are shut down and living a pretty shitty existence thereon after that, but they at least get to carry on living. Now, I'm not advocating for him in any way, shape or form, but I'm saying that's one of the things because the type of person that would consent to him doing that shit to your dog, that dog has to have driven you fucking insane to get to that point. Now, I have seen some comments on that where people were advocating for exactly that. They're saying, you know, you haven't seen the history of that dog. You didn't know what led to that. You don't know how bad that dog is. You don't know what took place after that incident that you saw on film. Like yep. the point is, why are you showing it? Yeah, exactly. People are going to hear me say that content and saying, so Glenn, you're suggesting that when people do those sort of things, that they do it in secrecy and they hide it. I'm saying, don't do it. I don't advocate for it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is why the fuck? And it's not just in dog training. It's just in a lot of things. When friends are filming friends and suddenly, you know, that shit gets leaked onto internet and stuff like that. I'm glad that I lived a childhood where I was free of this social media, where my friends weren't following me around with a camera, posting the shit that I used to do when I was a kid. Because some of that stuff that was the experience of being a kid that helped shape me, that helped me grow up. Man, I don't want that fucking shit to be plaguing me for the rest yeah. of my life. It's not that I did anything diabolical, but I mean, you know, I've got You're things. A dumb kid, like I was a dumb kid, like everybody else. You point. know, my experiences led to yeah. you know making better choices and meeting better people and being better educated. I don't want that flying around for the rest of my life. I really feel sorry for you, younger guys, who this is now going to follow you for the rest of your life. Oh, it'd be terrifying to be a kid now. And if you're proud by that, I'm sad for you as yeah. well. But so the point is Mm. real dog training, whether you're a balance trainer or a competent force-free trainer, and I should say competent balance trainer and competent force-free trainer, it's boring. You don't understand. You're right. It's boring. Yeah. And it's one of the things I often, like people who are in my space, I pull them up all the time on posting before and after videos. I said, if you fucking film a dog for a before, you're a piece of shit. Because from the first interaction with the dog, you should be trying to fix that dog. And you shouldn't be poking the bear. If the dog turns up to you and it's got aggression issues and you've got the camera in your hand as you're bringing on the aggression, you are reinforcing the aggression. You Mm. are bringing it on. So showing that if the client sends you a video and says, this is where it's at, no worries. Use that because you had no part in that being filmed. But if you're making the dog worse before you make the dog better, then you're a piece of shit. That's who you are, right? But so- Real dog training is super boring. And and you know how it is when you when someone brings in a dog and they go, oh, I want you to see it. And you're like, I don't need to see it. I believe like, you know, there's an aggressive problem with the dog. Mm. And like, I want you to see it. I'm like, no, I don't do the thing that you're about to do to bring it on because I want to start setting my relationship with this dog from the jump that that doesn't happen around exactly me. Exactly right. There's no cause for that around me. And I'm going to be a person that you trust. And I'm going to be a person that helps guide you through the difficult that you're having Mm. and I don't need to be here to see this aggression. In fact, 
now that this is in this dog is in my hands, that aggression to the extent to which you've seen it will likely never happen again because I'm going to keep the dog under threshold of that happening and I'm going to surf that. I'm going to push to the edge of it and the dog's going to show me discomfort and I'm going to show him how to navigate that very low level of discomfort. I'm not going to let him go to that really high level. And if that happens, it's going to be because of an accident or it's going to be because of something out of my control. It's not going to be a part of my training program. I'm not going to push the dog over threshold like that. And so that's the thing to watch me or thousands of other people who do it, or probably tens of thousands of other people who are doing it on a daily basis, rehabbing aggressive dogs and shit like that. It's boring. Mm. There's nothing to see. It's just like keeping a dog, like playing with a dog, befriending it, keeping it under threshold, doing little exercises with it, keeping its mind busy, mm. like walking it past its triggers while it's engaged on something else. Like all the normal shit that is just normal actual dog training. Yeah, it's just incremental ratcheting. Yeah, and mm. so, but that's boring. That's yep. why people who actually do that shit don't have giant social media followings. Mm. One of the guys who I, he does come up in my social media feed not super often, but I do watch some of his stuff when it comes up, is that, what's his name, Stony Dennis? Have you ever seen his stuff? No. I just like his accent more than anything. But he just raises a trained dog. So he's a person that he's got this beautiful facility and he raises puppies and he, you know, he'll have 30-odd dogs all loose in this one yard and he puts them through this little obstacle course and he just talks about stuff while he does it. He makes really good content. But he's one of the few trainers that makes non-spectacular content, right? Mm. It's just actually good dog training as he yep. puts dogs through their, you know, little things that he has. And he's not a – he just raises dogs for pe- – like his thing – I quite enjoy his content. His thing is he raises dogs for people who want to take their dogs everywhere. Yep. So he just socializes the fuck out of them and teaches them when it's appropriate to express drive and when it's not. And yep. like come back when they're called, stay when they're told to stay, don't do anything rude or dangerous. That's yep. his whole thing. Yeah, stick, perfect. Love right? it. But mm. his training is very good from what I've seen. I haven't watched a ton of it. What's his name plug in? Stony Dennis. Stony Dennis. Yeah. Mm. I think that's it, Stony Dennis. I could be wrong on his name, but he comes up in my feed every now and again. I watch his stuff every now and again. I really enjoy it, mm. but it's one of the few people. He's like Larry. He just has a really nice personality. He's just mm. a guy that you could hear talk all day. Right. And that's why he's successful. And his training is just good training. It yeah. just is normal. Like there's nothing crazy going on. It's just good. And, and the actual dog training component of it, if he wasn't such a amicable guy and so nice to listen to and hear talk, it would be boring as shit. No one would watch it. Mm. Right. But he turns it into something entertaining. And so that's the issue is like to draw an audience that we're talking Zach George in the millions. I have no idea how many followers dog daddy has. I've, I haven't got the faintest clue, but you have to do crazy dumb shit and that's what they're doing there. And, and the more attention we pay to them and we're guilty of it, we're fucking doing it yeah, right we've, now. We fall, fell we're, into the honey trap. Yeah, we're, mm. we're doing it. But as I say, we're only doing it because like a stance has to be, people will ask our opinion of it and this is our opinion of it. There's just been a river of it being plastered into our inboxes collectively and independently. I'm sure you're being, on one day, I got literally 30 mentions of Dog Daddy in my inbox yeah. and Instagram. And I just said to people, I, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. They were pushing me to respond to it. And I said, look, I don't know who he is. I'm just learning about him now. And I don't like what I see. It's distressing for me to watch this. And it's really not what I advocate for. So one person said to me, well, have you ever done anything like that before? I would have to say yes. Yeah. I've had a fucking military working dog come up the line at me. Yeah. Of course I'm going right. to fight exactly. with the dog at that point. Now, when I worked years ago, when I was a young fellow and I was working for Boyd, 
man, I had some hairy moments with dogs out the back there because we were rehabilitating some pretty fucked up dogs, shepherds and rotties, mainly shepherds and rotties. And back then, like I said, boy, those dogs were tough. They really were. And it's not just me saying it. They were really tough dogs. Being down there on your own, man, I had to do some, you know, like I had to spin some dogs around to get them away from me and then throw them into the kennel and then lock the kennel door behind me while the dog then literally put all its body weight in trying to push the door down. Those days were scary as hell. And people say, well, why would you do that sort of thing? Because I didn't want to kill the dog, first and foremost. And I didn't want to get tuned up by the dog. Now, would I do it again? I don't need to these days because I know better. It just goes in line with my favorite quote, which I'm not going to say because you all know it. (laughs) But the reality is I do know better and I do know how to prevent those sort of things from happening. And I do know how to keep a dog under threshold, you know, and I do know how to ratchet the dog up in small increments so I can get the dog to a point where it realizes, well, I don't need to feel this way and I don't need to do that anymore. I don't feel that way about the same sort of situation. Again, I'm not teaching how to suck eggs. You do the same. Great dog trainers all over the world do the same sort of thing. We all advocate for a better system in dogs. I certainly wouldn't put that on social media. And I would fucking be pissed off if somebody filmed me doing that and put it on social media so it could be read out of complete and utter context. Mm. So I'm throwing myself under the bus and saying, yes, I have done it before, but I don't advocate for it and I don't like it and I don't feel proud of it. And whenever it happened, I felt bad about the situation when I reflected on it. But I thought to myself- But give the full context is that you used to drive around and pick up people's dogs that were so dangerous they couldn't go in they the They couldn't go in the backyard with the dog. And it yeah. was your job to rehabilitate those dogs to the point where you could you put them into service and continue Absolutely. for them to live. And the alternative was that they'll, they'll get shot in they'll the backyard. Die. Yeah. And so- They either get shot by the ranger or they'll get euthanized, but usually tranked and shot. Yeah. So yeah, I would take them out and I'd put them in the back of the ute. And by the time I'd get them back there, they'd- figure out, oh, I don't know you and I don't know this place, so I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah. Like I say, those dogs back then weren't fucking around and they weren't pussies like some of the dogs are today of the same sort of caliber of the breed. We've got some great dogs in this country that still maintain their working line and working credibility and mainly now it's in mouths. It's not in shepherds and rotties like it used to be. But back then, holy shit, like it used to scare the absolute bejesus out of me sometimes. I used to think, I don't even know how I'm going to get this dog off the back of the ute. You know, and literally sometimes it was just putting the dog in um, complete negative reinforcement, dragging the dog off the ute and putting the dog straight into the kennel with a wire mesh shield that I made in front of me to stop the dog from coming through at me. But three weeks later, that same dog and I were generally best of friends because Mm. even a dog that is filled with that much uncertainty and that much rage still needs somebody to love. Mm. And usually that dog and I, I was usually grooming the dog by then, giving it hydro baths, all sorts of things, caring for it, handling it, getting people to come down and do the bites. You know, I would say that a good 99% of the dogs, there was only really one that I, I couldn't touch and I couldn't trust. He was just a complete whack job. But the rest of them all came around to me in the end. But I let the dog do it in its own time as yeah. well. I just didn't put the dogs into a situation where I I thought, well, I'm going to make you respect me and I'm going to put you under my yoke straight away. Yeah, I had the grace of time where three weeks would go by and that dog would think, I've got no one to love. Yeah. I, I need someone and you're it. When you're ready, I'm here. But, you know, so just- full context to that, because just to sort of reinforce what you're saying, is that you get faced with the opportunity of, take this dog from me today or I'm I'm killing it this afternoon. It's dead. dead. So Mm. you have to do whatever you need to do to be able to get that dog away from that place. Mm. But that's not how you then continue your relationship with the dog. You do whatever is needed to be done to save it in that moment 
And then it's immediately relationship building and it's trust building and it's developing a bond with the dog and it's teaching the dog that you're on its side and working with you and the real training begins after Absolutely. that. But a snapshot in time could look really bad because you have to somehow manage an unmanageable dog and that dog got unmanageable by someone else. That's, I think, what is important in these sorts of conversations is because as trainers, you can get a snapshot of like, look what he's doing for this 10 seconds, but you didn't create that situation. You're the I'm trying s- to resolve it. Exactly. Mm. And you use- But as- the dog daddy could say the same s- no, sort that, of thing. Well, but that's the thing. That That's right. And mm. that could potentially be the argument. And maybe all that's true because like I said, I don't fucking digest any of his content. I've seen a couple of things of him helicoptering dogs and was like, I don't want to see this anymore, right? Yep. And and I've seen him wearing his crazy outfits and they're the, the only- <laughs> <laughs> the only, I think I did interact with with a post where he was like on a private jet yep. in all like Louis Vuitton everything, yep. and I was like, "Fuck, I'm I'm doing something wrong here because I sure shit ain't fucking flying around in private jets and I wear eight dollar t shirts." <laughs> you know what I mean? So something's going on there. But anyway, I digress. The snapshot in time, you're not trying to show or infer the life-saving intervention Mm. that was necessary for the dog only in so much as to get it to a place where you can now start to manage it safely. It's just literally to stop the dog from trying to kill me. Yeah. so Because literally some of the dogs were. There was one Roddy in particular. I recall him very well. So what I did was I made this shield out of concrete Rio Mm -hmm. where I had handles on the inside when I had the dog latched up to the back of the ute which is a pickup in, in United States terms, I could put this shield up against the dog, unclip the dog with a lead and then safely bring the dog down. He was a really big Roddy. He was like 55 kilos and just a jacked up son of a bitch. He hit the shield and just literally bounced it straight on the ground and went straight over my head and there he was in front of me. I had to swing that dog away from me because he was committed to trying to kill me. Mm. For the first week and a half I had him there, he hated my guts and he was just a, an intently passionate dog on trying to fuck me up. It was just by the sheer grace of God that that dog, you know, like he paused for a moment and I acted quickly to stop him from doing it and I dragged his ass straight into the kennel. I put him in there. Now, it was all in seconds. Now, you know, it didn't last for minutes and hours or anything like that. It was in seconds because I'll be honest with you, I possibly could have shit my pants. Mm -hmm. I was terrified. It was a horribly scary moment and my life flashed before my eyes. So I dragged that dog straight into the kennel. I I literally picked his front legs up off the ground, dragged him straight into the kennel and shut the door. Again, he was one of those dogs. As soon as he got into the kennel and I threw him in there, he just spun around and tried to push the door down and get back at me. And I just walked away. I went in the office, I made myself a coffee and I sat there while I was shaking for about five minutes while my adrenaline was coursing around my body. And it was a terrifying moment. The way that I used to let the dogs out was we had a two-system run and I'd climb up on top of the building, I'd pull the latch and I'd let the dog run out and I'd just let the dog stay out in the yard while I cleaned the kennels and got it all fresh and squeaky clean again, cleaned their beds and made their food up and put it in there and I'd put his food in there and just wait for him to come back in because he hadn't eaten since that day, and the dog would definitely wander back in and go, I'm looking for my food. I'd shut the door and I'd do it completely without conflict. So me and the dog never needed to interact. The only time that I started to interact with the dog was when I could see that the dog was in a calm frame of mind, when the dog started seeing me and it was happy to see me. Its demeanour had changed. Everything about the dog had changed. It didn't have that same intent look in the eye. The, The eye had rounded off. The dog had softened in a lot of ways. And then I would hide behind the gate, I'd have my shield there and I'd let the dog go and the dog would stop and look at me and then just run out into the yard. 
and I'd start walking around with the dogs. Still had my shield there, still had everything going, but then the dog would walk over and say, play with me, engage, throw a stick or throw a ball or Mm. do something, and I'd do it. And then the dog would reciprocate by, you know, like going, oh, it's feed time, let's go run back in. A couple of days after that, I knew I had the dog. Mm. So the dog would come out and nudge me for a pat, and only then would I ever make contact with the dog. If the dog insisted, I want you to pat me, then I'd pat the dog. After that, I knew we were fine. Then I could lead the dog up. I could start doing obedience with the dog. We'd just do low-key, fun stuff. I'd bring a decoy in. The decoy would start engaging the dog, and then the dog looked at me and goes, you are literally the best thing that, yeah. that has ever happened in my life. Everything that I was built for and designed for, all the rage that I felt, I was a lightning rod for the dog. And the mm. dog basically re- realized and recognized that in me straight away and we were a partner. Yeah. Now, this isn't one dog. We had 30 dogs in those kennels, all of the same caliber, all rescue dogs that all came from homes where people needed to get rid of the dogs. We had a database of thousands of people and all of the time, you know, like even with them, they'd, they'd say, oh, you know, I've got this dog, he's too much for me. Or they'd walk him down into the kennels and they'd put him in there for us and say, please find a good home for this dog. I just can't keep it. He's trying to kill my wife or he's trying to kill my husband or whatever. And we would reshape and reconstruct those type of dogs. But as I said before, and not happy about it, some of those dogs had to go in with a bit of a fight. Yeah. You know, they had to do it. It was either that or they <laughs> die. If there's anybody in there in our audience listening to this thinking, maybe that dog should have died rather than having to go through that, that's an insane And really quite a dark way to think Mm. that you would say you would rather have the dog snuffed out of life over a 30-second argument with the dog. Then they would say, well, then if you're saying that, then really you must advocate for the dog daddy because he's probably doing exactly the same sort of thing. Yeah, well, that's why it's complex. It is complex. But but creating content. That's the thing. Here's the line. This is where we're splitting wigs. That's something that should happen on the reg and is the solution to the dangerous dog, that's the problem. Well, that's not something that I wanted other people to see, not because I was ashamed of it. There are things that I, if I look back now, I could probably do them better. I'm more tooled up. I'm far more knowledgeable, you know, like I'm 25 years into more knowledge and more understanding and also utilizing tools better and constructing kennels better. And there's a whole gambit of things that I've developed during that time. But the one thing is is that I never wanted to teach other people how to do it that way because I wasn't sure it was the best way. It was the only way I knew how to do it. It Mm. was the only way I knew how to keep myself healthy and alive by making sure I didn't let these dogs fuck me up when I was literally down there working by myself, taking those dogs from the back of the car into the kennels and coming home at night. Mate, I can thankfully say I've got pasty white soft skin You can see I don't have scores of scars up and down my arms. I don't have fingers missing off my fucking hands. That's because I was doing my due diligence and I was careful. And by the grace of God and a bit of luck, I got out of that unscathed. Hmm. You know, like I've got bites in my hands and in my legs and stuff like that. But mainly they're from people's fucking shitty, nervous pet dogs that, you know, like when they've given me the dog to handle them or I've gone around the house and they've just bit me on the leg. You know, like I got bitten by a Legato, which I shared the footage of a, a while. I've been bitten by two Legatos within two years. Really? Legatos might be next on the list for all the Legato people out there. Just be careful. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the issue, right? Like these guys I was talking to during the week when we're talking about dangerous dogs, this government department, you would know, guess what breed has the most bites in New South Wales? It'd have to be Cattle Dog or Kelpie? Golden Retriever. Yes. Because people do stupid shit with them. Yep. People let their kids step all over them and shit. So it's not like golden retrievers are out fucking people up, but 
people take risks with them that they don't take with other dogs. But here's the thing, right? Let's talk about before where we did say the XL bullies disappear, the Rottweilers disappear, the German Shepherds disappear, the Belgian Shepherds, the Malamars disappear. Golden Retrievers will rise in a – there'll be a mass – there already is. Like there's a huge advocacy for Golden Retrievers, but they will rise. There will be a rife grab and snatch and grab for Golden Retrievers. And suddenly – there will be a microscope on golden retrievers. Yep. And there already was a while ago because a golden retriever in Victoria opened a kid's neck up. Hmm. It will be your breed. It's never – it'll go away after all these breeds disappear, as we've said before. It will just start again. It will be something else. You said it to me in a private discussion the other day, like when these shock jocks and these radio people and these media outlets and these government agencies, when there's nothing around, they go looking for things. They're yeah. looking for news. They're looking for headlines. Got to fill the airspace. They've got to fill the airspace. They've got to create that social media. They've got to keep that means of, of listeners and, and YouTube money coming in. Yep. And you won't do that if it's just peace, love and mung beans. As much as we say we like nice things, people don't subscribe to it. It's not interesting and it doesn't make good content. Yeah. So I see people doing nice things on Instagram and all I see in the comments is people calling them cringeworthy mm. because they're doing nice things and saying nice things. And they've got a score of fucking hatred saying this is cringe, this is shit, what, like go kill yourself, why would you put this fucking shit up on, you know, like it's just the same trash all the time. So people say they want it but when they do it there's a fucking plethora of people out there ready to burn them at the stake. Yeah. I think the problem is it's just a very complex issue. Like mm. as we've just sort of worked through and worked through <laughs> ourselves is that Zach George does not represent trainers that are competent force-free trainers or plus R trainers or whatever. Dog Daddy does not represent competent balanced trainers being drawn towards the margins by two dickheads fighting with each other on social media is not good for any of us. Mm. And I think that, Zach has probably contributed to the betterment of many people's dogs and their lives. And dog, does he have a real name? It's his fucking real name. I did see it the other day, but who cares? Yeah. That dickhead has probably saved some dogs that were going to be euthanized if he didn't do what he did to them. And they've both fucked up tons of dogs as well. So like, it's not a clear thing, but for us in the industry, they don't represent, neither of them represent me. I can't speak for anyone else, but they sure as fuck don't represent me. And what we can do about that, I have no idea. That's not my job. But I, I, I don't know what is the answer to that. Well, I guess, look, we've just solved all the world's problems, so it's probably a good place to leave it. <laughs> solved none of them, but talked about them all. Yeah. Oh, dear. All right. We'll have something fun next week. I don't know. We'll, I'll brainstorm on it during the week. We'll have so a good at, episode, I promise. We have touched and played around with assistance dogs and all that type of training. So I'm pushing and prodding at Chris Debenyak mm-hmm. to come in. He's from assistance dogs. So he has agreed that he'll come in and oh, good. chat to you and I about assistance dogs and his understanding of training and the laws and Sweet. so forth around it. So that'd be good just to have somebody come in and have a chin wag with us. Awesome. There's been people who've said to me, why don't you talk about some of these fields? So I thought, great. Yeah. Let's do I'll it. invite someone on the show. I like Chris. He's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He did the course of me ages ago. He's been to, a ton of good seminars that we've done out here as well. Just another person in the field who upskills their education and also involved in a great and worthy contribution. Before I wrap up, Mm. I'm sure that there's some people who are about to get their typing fingers out and say in the comments many places how we just complained about people and their social media presences while I'm about to pump up our social media. Yeah. (laughs) I'm aware of the irony of that. Don't need to DM me or... 
write in the comments, I'm aware. Yeah. But I feel okay with what we do because I feel like we try and provide as much value as possible as we can to the people who listen. I agree, kind sir. Feel, and we're both very aware of our own skeletons in our closet. I feel as though we contribute positively as much as we can mm. to the industry. Yep. And I acknowledge that I don't even like having conversations like this, but I feel like it was a necessary one to have. Many of these conversations, like this one, have ended up on the cutting room floor. Mm. They've never really made it to print. Mm. They, we've gotten halfway through it and thought, oh, maybe not. Yeah, We've tried never to be controversial and attract an audience based on controversy. I know our numbers would jump. If we It'd started, be easy to ma- do. It would be easy It'd to be do. Easy and, to do. And again, that was an education I got through you. You, you know, you and I had some off-air chats about how social media works and what drives up the margins and so forth. And it's generally always controversy. I have a big chunk of my new online course complete. Yep. I'm starting to sort of build out the site and all of that kind of stuff. And the thing that I know for sure that would make me plenty of money because, like, you know, followers equals money. Yep. I could just go on a tirade. I could do a bunch of things and I could bring in a bunch of followers. I could be polarizing is essentially what I could be, Mm. but I I choose not to. I just don't want to live like that. Choose life. (laughs) (laughs) And wake me up before you go, go. All right. I'm going to do the wrap up. No, no. Before you do. What? I'm going to fulfill one of the bingo cards because there is a good movie that I think everybody should watch if they want to feel good. One Piece. It's an episode on Netflix based on a manga cartoon. Okay. So you could either watch the manga cartoon of it if you're into manga or you can watch the, the series that they built around it, which is about a young kid whose dream is to become a pirate king. But he also collects an eclectic group of friends along the way. And one of the things I really love about it is his positive attitude And along the way, everyone's laughing at him because he's saying that he wants to become the Pirate King. And there's a whole episode around it. It's fantastic. I loved it. But one of the things I really loved about it was his amazing positive can-do attitude. But people along the way started to see at the end and they go, no, he is going to become the Pirate King. (laughs) And there was one point in there where his friend, one of the people that he collected along the way, He's this master swordsman. It shows you how he becomes this swordsman. His dream was to fight some of the best swordsmen in the world. And he ends up getting into a fight with this one of the titans in the pirate industry. Okay. It's very it's very nautical okay. based. But he gets into a fight with one of these titanic pirate people. He's currently one of the best swordsmen in the entire world. He gets injured to the point where he's on death's door. And the girl in the crew turns to this character and his name is um, Monkey de Rufy or something like that. It's, okay. it's a strange name. But she says to him, why did you let this happen? And he goes, because that was his dream. His dream was to fight the best swordsman. He goes, why would I step in front of my friend and quash a dream that he wanted to fulfill his whole life? And I just loved that mm. sentiment. Like it kind of really resonated with me the best of somebody, even though, it, you know, his friend was mortally wounded by it, but his whole thing was this was his dream, man, the ultimate thing that he wanted to do. Like why would I stop him? Why would I get in his way? Why would I prevent this from happening? And he just has this amazing support for his network of friends. Like if you ever dream 
All I want to do is support you in your dream. I just want to see you fulfill it. I just want to see you grow in what you're doing. And you, like me, I want to become the Pirate King and you want to be the best swordsman in the world. And I want you to support me in being the Pirate King and I want to support you in being the best swordsman in the world. <laughs> yeah. And I love the I yeah, love yeah. the ethos in it. And yeah. it was just really What's cleverly. it called? It's called One Piece. One Piece. Yeah, One Piece on Netflix. So it is amazing. I like that because I kind of feel that you and I do that for each other. Yeah. We try and support each other's dreams and make things better. Anyway, I won't go paddling on (laughs) further about it. All right, doing the wrap-up. Doing the wrap-up. That's it. Another episode, Canon Paradigm. Yeah. As always, if you like what you hear, just like, rate, share, subscribe. Yep. Send it to Zach George. (laughs) Yeah. Every time, here's, here's one for you. Every time fucking Zach George or Dog Daddy do something that fucking infuriates you, instead of sending it to me, send one of mine to them. Yeah. Just turn it around because I don't want to see it. I don't give a fuck. Yep. I don't want it in my feed. Yeah. So, like, but if you feel like you need to send Just say, something hey, to someone. hey, have you listened to the canine paradigm? <laughs> Maybe you need some educating. Maybe you can cherry pick through that and talk about that on air and refuse to come on live and debate us. Uh, <laughs> All right, so do that. Yeah. Yeah, like, rate, share, all that. Mm. Everyone support the show, jump into Patreon. we got a bunch <laughs> of content in there. We're going to do some mm. more stuff going forward. We yeah. were talking about doing a, a live, discussing some judging stuff that you were going to do. We've got to come up with a yes. plan for that. Yes, we'll, and I want you involved in it. I want, yep. you, we'll figure um, that out. I want you to co-host it with me so you can talk about it from – What's your title in PSA now? What you're like well, the- I'm the assistant regional director yeah. to Australia and New Zealand. So the way the the way the structure works is like Jerry is the director of all the internationals. Yep. And then there's a person in each country who is the his assistant to that. So basically like it's just my job to get it going and yeah. help people where possible. And we're doing that. We're doing all of these decoy training days that are going fucking great. We've got you know, successful trial. We haven't actually discussed that because we haven't done an episode since we went up and did that trial for Casey and his crew up there. Which was fantastic. Which went perfectly. They they um, really put on a, a great weekend. Fantastic. Everything went perfectly. The, yep. Everybody, not necessarily everybody passed, but everybody was successful, you know? like No, everybody, everybody well. passed. Yeah, but everybody went up a notch. Yes, they yeah. did. Everybody who went for their PEDC got it. Yeah. Not everybody got their PSA one. Got their one, yeah. Yeah, but congratulations to Casey and Jay who yep. did. Yeah. So on, that on the same weekend. That all I went had. amazingly. Yeah. And yep. and that's the first trial up there. And in a what am I going? In just in over a week, next weekend, I'm going to Perth yep. to do a, a intro to PSA seminar there. Nice. And then we're which, going to New Zealand to judge the yep. first New Zealand yep. uh, PSA. So we're growing despite yep. <laughs> sports, you know, people trying to ban it. We're growing. We're developing community. We're having a really good time doing it. It's been fantastic. It's easy to listen to that episode and think that things are, things are great. At the moment, these things haven't caught up with us yet. But don't let them. No, exactly. Don't let them get legs. That's it. We're enjoying, for me anyway, I've never been happier in, in the industry. It's, mm. it's great. And we're developing such cohesion and unity and people are working together across so many things. Yep. Everything's going really good and I would love to see it continue going that way. And I feel like I'm, I'm almost like a... Yeah, like a Christian missionary traveling the world trying to spread the spread the word of Jesus. I'm like, have you read the book of Jerry Bradshaw? <laughs> I gotta start quoting him. Start quoting parts of controlled aggression as though I'm I'm reading Bible verses. Yep. That'd be fun. I'm gonna do that. All right. So jump into Patreon. Get in there. Get in there. Yeah. Give us some of your money. Yeah. Give do us that. it. Don't make us be polarizing. Instead of giving it to Zach George or the dog daddy, just yeah. slip it, it to us. us. Give it to yeah. us. Like, I mean, we we are in such a pittance compared to what they're doing. 
Like he could just. We do all right. Look at these crazy good setup we got. Look at these fucking cool microphones. We have got cool mics, and we've we have generated. And we're getting, we're saving up. We're getting Apple Vision Pro. You guys are buying that for us. <laughs> it's happening. We're saving up. We're getting fucking uh, Apple Vision Pro. I don't care if we have. It'd to- be nice to have some fun toys instead of just work toys all the time. Yeah, we're getting yeah. that, and we're gonna do a podcast with that on. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. That then we fun. It's official. We're yep. doing that. That's a hundred percent. That what's happening. Yeah. So please, Daddy needs an Apple Vision Pro. Come on. Yeah. You can buy it for us. Or if you just if you like us, you can just buy them outright and just say, <laughs> Here you go. That. Imagine that. That's crazy. Yeah. People uh, do that for people. You well, know. Horny George offered to buy me a Yeti dog bed when I made jokes about it. And I said, Thank you, George. I really appreciate that offer. But Horny I'll George actually was he was offering to up our Patreon really? for our advertising because he said, Thank you. Things are going up. That's um, good. He's got He's got some announcements to make for Rowdy Hound. Awesome. Which sounds like things are going great guns for him. Perfect. Which they should. That makes because, me very happy. Yeah, me too, because I love George and I we love- We put the- a lot of work into that. So this is one of the things, you know, like people don't understand to get a product to market, like a specialist product like that is, you know, I, I was a part of the a big part of the journey with Bart about making just the fucking one of the controllers that yep. that they make. And like people have no idea how much bullshit goes into oh, just- Oh, the R&D is incredible. Just making a waterproof casing, yep. like how much testing and development and you know, prototyping and then you got to send those to people like, you know, to, to play with and to break them and give you feedback. It's years and and tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars in some instances. Oh, I know very well how it is. I've got a wife who's been going through that for, yeah. took her forever. It, it makes me so happy because that dog box that George has got, it's yeah. such a niche thing, but to have it be successful. And you and I were literally some yeah, of the first people prototype. he ever told. Yeah, sure. Yeah. very first prototype. Yep. Anyway, it makes me very happy. Yeah. All right, buy our T-shirts. Get them. Get them. Yep. Get our shirts. Just get them. Just buy shirts. Yep. Don't buy get two. the underwear because we don't have any yeah, and you won't be wearing any underwear. Yeah. But a tapestry, as always. Yeah. If you're looking at a wall in your house and you think, what could go there? A tapestry. Yeah, giant poster of ours. Yeah, and just fucking nail it in there. Yeah. Yeah, don't Beating, even yeah. don't use double sided tape. Yeah, no just way get to some. get it off. Use liquid <laughs> mouse. Yeah, <laughs> like stick it on. No way to get it off. Yeah. It's there forever. And if you're renting a property, your landlord will be suitably yeah. impressed if he goes in there. Yeah. and you know has to tear a fucking yeah. tapestry off his wall. I like the idea of someone's grandkids in like forty years. <laughs> in like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> And Googling it or whatever they've got then. Yeah, it's probably post-apocalyptic at that point. They're, they're like, what was this? Did, did these people Just worship? Just a shadow of it on the wall from when the bomb detonates. <laughs> oh, oh, we digress. All right. If you want to get in contact with us, get on the mailing list. Oh, yeah. Get on the mailing list. Yeah. Get on it. Get in the mailing list. And if it's not your email, just get your family's email. Yeah, and put, put anyone get your you customers. can think, well, we could just take that one person away from yep. Zach George and give them and to our mailing list. At instead. some point, we'll send an email. Yep. We haven't done it yet, yep. but at some point, we will. Not swinging a dog around. No. Nah. No. Nah. All right. And if get in the Facebook discussion group. Yeah. If you want to get in contact with us, we are info at the I love you. Goodbye. <laughs>